Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Today's special guest is Tina Davis. Welcome, Tina. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so glad you're here with me today. Tina married her high school sweetheart, and together they have five children and a three-year-old granddaughter. They homeschooled their first three boys. The oldest is a caseworker for CPS. His wife is a teacher. The second oldest is a Marine Corps veteran and is currently in college pursuing a degree in the healthcare field. The 19-year-old is also in college headed toward a career in healthcare. They all three earned their Eagle Scout Awards. The youngest boy is in school and is working on his Eagle, and their daughter is six, and she uh, is the one we will be talking about today. Her story of shocking rescue will amaze and inspire you. In addition to their own children, Tina's family has hosted international students from China and India. Tina loves being a wife, a mom, a hostess, and a volunteer at her church. Tina, I see you as compassionate, selfless, generous and kind how do you see yourself um as god made me see i'm already going crying <laughs> tears are good you know, i used to never be a crier um but i've gotten really good at it in the past six years <laughs> and it humbles me when people say that i'm those things um, because I don't see myself as anybody but an ordinary person who is doing what God, God calls them to do. Latina, so. you're an ordinary woman who's doing something really extraordinary. Um, and it's it just even the things that I mentioned, without people knowing the special circumstances about which we're going to talk, um, would be amazed that you homeschooled boys, that they turned out so well. Um, anybody who's been involved with Scouts knows that's very demanding, um, all the projects and badges and things that you have to do. Um, and so uh, even before knowing uh, what they're going to find out about you, uh, your your life so far has been remarkable. Um, and I think tears are so appropriate because when you feel things deeply, when you love deeply, when you're fully engaged in your life, when you're fully present, when you show up in the world you the way you do, um, that's going to cause some strong emotion. And so uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So um, so before we get to the story about Athena, um, what things led you to decide to homeschool? Um, my husband, his job keeps him away from home a lot. We've, I mean, he's not in the military, but we almost relate to military families because he travels a lot and so in order for us to stay close and have a a tight family then we just decided to live in an RV for the first seven years of our boys lives and travel with him and be with him and so since we moved from place to place fairly often homeschooling was the best option for us at the time. Oh, I guess so. And and living in tight quarters. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> how was how was that for you? Um it was just something we did. It wasn't horrible. We had to learn how to live off of less stuff, you know, so, and to be out and see more things. I think technology wasn't as important back then as it seems to be now. So 
we got out and saw a lot of the country and made it work. And it didn't hurt that they were little. So, you know, seven and under. So it was easier. Well, you say that, but if you were traveling, you were probably away from family and you probably changed community a lot too. How did you manage? How did you socialize? Where was your support during that time? Well, we joined um, local homeschool groups as we found them and we were in scouts. So we would just hop to different scout troops and they were in, you know, whatever activity we could get them in at the time and then found a church to go to and it's in. So. Well, I see also in you a very practical person, a resourceful and problem solver. Uh, you had to be all those things in order to accommodate the lifestyle you chose. And clearly it worked. I and mean, your kids have turned out great and you've become a family anyone would be proud to know. Um, so as we think about uh, what led you to adopt Athena, can you tell us a little bit of your of her story and how you were involved? So my husband and I volunteered for several several years um, in our youth group here at the church we attend now, and we um, we live we don't live our church is really close to the local high school, and on Wednesday nights we would feed the high schoolers a meal, and sometimes you know just kids who don't normally attend church would come just to eat, and we met one of the girls there and formed a relationship and um anyway she's she started coming and attending and she ended up being athena's birth mom um and then after she graduated high school kind of kept in touch facebook but not really and then one day we knew that she was expecting and my fellow female volunteers and i threw her a baby shower and then after that, we didn't really hear much from her. And then we saw a post on Facebook one day where she, her baby was on life support in Houston. And we're, um, my husband happened to be working down there. And so I called him and he went over to see the baby. And then circumstances as they were, we, uh, the parents, the birth parents got arrested. And then um, a CPS caseworker contacted me and asked me if I could take the baby. And we went down there and I stayed three weeks in the ICU with her um, and they were trying to pull life support off of her. So I spent three weeks fighting for her to, to stay alive. And then we finally got permission to bring her home. The doctor said that she probably wouldn't survive the ride home, which were two and a half hours away. Um, so I was basically bringing her home to die. So, but I just told them that I did not want her to pass away, not being loved or not feeling loved. And this is morbid, but I didn't want her tombstone to have the last name of the people who did that to her on it. Can you tell us the extent of her injuries? Well, I was just counting up her diagnoses um, before getting on here. She has at least 20 diagnoses. Her her main, um, she has a, she had a skull fracture in her, and her jaw. She had nine broken ribs. Um, she was a typical child when she was born. And at five weeks, 
And at five weeks, she um, received these injuries and she, um, so now she's legally blind. She's hard of hearing, she has cerebral palsy. She has severe epilepsy. Um, she has, uh, she's totally fed by G-tube. She can't take anything orally. Um, she has sleep dysfunction and endocrine issues. She has lots and lots of issues that she did not have before. So, so when you brought her home from the hospital and um, what made you think you could care for a child like this. What in you said, somebody has to do this and I'm going to be that somebody. Well, that's my basically husband. it. I didn't think that I could, but I thought that I would, you know, my husband and I and my boys, we didn't, um, we, none of us had any hesitation. They called, we got our clearance because they didn't, weren't allowing anybody up there. We went down there, we sat with her and um, brought her home and we've just been, doing it day by day. You know, nobody ever expects to have to take care of a special needs person. Um, but you do, you know, you don't you know what to love. Well, you didn't have to. Why did you want to? What was happening in your heart? You couldn't let her die alone. Did you at that time expect that she might live longer with, with appropriate care? So going back just a little bit when she was first in the hospital, when her parents still were able to be with her, her birth parents, a friend of mine and I went down there to see her. And um, when I went in the room, it was dark and she was hooked up to all the wires and, and things. And I asked the nurse, if I could hold her. And apparently I was the first one to ask her parents hadn't even held her. Wow. And wow. she was on, and she was on a breathing machine and I picked her up and, and I was singing to her and she breathed over the breathing machine. And the nurses said that was the first time she'd done that. So I knew that she just needed love. If I could wow. love her to live, I would. Wow. And you have, <laughs> she's still with us. Mm -hmm. So, um, so what did your family say? What did, what did the boys say? Were people um, supporting you in this time or were they telling you you're crazy? Both. Um, nobody told me not to do it. We have a strong church family. Everybody stood beside us, behind us, pushed us. <laughs> but um, did they know the full story? No. And some okay. still don't, some yeah. still don't, yeah. but the, our closest people do, uh -huh. but, and it's not for the lack of us sharing. It's just, we are in a rather large church for our community. Uh -huh. And so uh -huh. <laughs> they call her our church baby. So, oh, that's but, sweet. You know, I love that so much. So how did, um, so when you, when people were speaking to you about this, did people rally around you? Did they say, call me if you need help? Were they going to be there with you? Or did you kind of feel isolated in this time? Did people take a step back because they didn't know what you were getting into or what it would obligate them to do? What happened? Both. You had people who just, it kind of scared them because they don't know what to do or how to help. And then you had people who would come anyway, even if you didn't ask. And, you know, so there's a mix and I think that that's fairly normal. Mm -hmm, I think so. But so, 
but we did have a lot of people praying and, you know, our, our youngest at the time was 14. So, um, we were out of the baby stage. We didn't have, <laughs> we didn't have anything for a baby. And so while I was in the hospital with her, they threw me a baby shower and, you know, gave me lots of baby things. So, you know, they did, they did what they could and knew to do. So, so how long uh, was she there and you there with her until you were able to bring her home? Three weeks was the time that I was with her and she was there for a few um so I brought her home the week before July 4th. Okay. And she was there. She actually got put in the hospital on my birthday, June 1st. So. Wow. wow. So were you in a RV at that time or were you in a home? No. Um, we had already been settled in Nacogdoches for several years because as my boys got older, we wanted to make sure that they had roots and this is our hometown. Good. I love that. Did you have any medical training or any background or did you have to learn this all on the, all, you know, in all the process the of doing it? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, listeners, we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, we'll hear more of Tina's amazing story and more about Athena. Listeners, we wanted to kick off the month of February, right before Valentine's Day, with stories that warm your heart and show you what real love looks like. This story of Tina and Athena Davis wrecked me in all the best possible ways, and I hope it is touching your heart as well. If so, we'd love to hear from you as you give a good rating and review on our show, or post your comments about this particular episode on any of our platforms at Now I See Pod on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you go to our website, nis.media, you'll be able to read our blog and find quick links to all of our conversational threads, as well as ways to reach out to our current and former guests. Hopefully, you'll find and follow Tina and Athena on their platforms so you can get all the details about their virtual walk run for child abuse and shaken baby awareness in April to coincide with Child Abuse Awareness Month and Athena's birthday. Proceeds will help make public spaces more accessible to people with special needs. Last week, we heard how Karen Clark dealt with her childhood trauma by learning to laugh and find ways to help herself and others find and give joy. Next week, we'll hear the story of R.V. Boggess, who combined his love of sports with his love of writing and who was lucky enough to find true love, not once but twice. Now let's hear more from Tina Davis as she tells us about unconditional love on this week's episode of Now I See. All right, and we are back with our guest Tina Davis, and she is telling us her story about her journey with Athena. So Tina, we left off that you were bringing uh, Athena home from the hospital. This was a new experience for you and your family. Um, As you brought her home, uh, you had some people there to support you. The church said she's our baby. Tell us what happened after that. So the um, hospital wanted us to be set up with some nursing, and it was optional. And 
I'm a pretty stubborn person thinking I can do everything by myself. And I've learned since then to, to not think that way. But that's so a homeschool de- mama for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was determined to reject every nurse that was brought in. For one, there's strangers in my house and, you know, it's, you don't trust people, especially after bringing home a baby who's been abused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, However, I did finally agree to to meet one, and um, as soon as she pulled into my driveway and I saw her step out, my my heart just just fell because she was an old high school friend of mine, and um, so she's been with us the whole time. I just ran up to her and hugged her and I said, "Thank you for being you." And so, <laughs> so we just it's been great. And we've since got a night nurse for four nights a week. And so that's been a big help So, since Athena doesn't really sleep very well. Well, I was going to ask you that when you were describing her condition. Does that mean you don't sleep very well, but you do have help? I imagine in the beginning, that was a real challenge, you know. It um, was, yeah. You know, just being a parent of a typical child, uh, you want to eat when they're eating, you want to sleep when they're sleeping, you want to be involved in their activities. Right. And if her schedule's unpredictable, so is your life. And you, you had other children, uh, some of them still right. pretty young at home. How did, how did her presence affect your family? Um, it was a big change. We used to just drop things and go when we wanted to and um, go where we wanted to. Homeschooling gave us that flexibility. Bringing Athena home um change that you had to plan far in advance and make sure therapies and doctor's appointments weren't going to get in the way and make sure her medications and she had travel permits you know for you know if we were flying we had to make sure we could carry on certain things because her formula that she's fed through her g-tube is not something you just go pick up from the store anywhere it's prescription um and then even then once all the things are planned you had to be flexible because she can get sick at the drop of a hat and not be able to go but then also we wouldn't have gotten our fourth son our our youngest son if we hadn't started with the foster system with her so how did your boys respond to her presence in their home that had to change everything for them too it did but they've really I've never heard a complaint. I've never seen them show any kind of disrespect towards the decisions we're making. It's always, you know, Athena is the priority. So, Do you think that having her there helped them choose the particular fields they're entering Mm -hmm. as CPS and healthcare? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you still have CPS come in and visit? Not anymore. Um, Since she's adopted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, our son does work for them, so I guess he would tell us if we're not doing something right. <laughs> I imagine so, but I, I imagine also as now as long as you've had her, that you've figured a lot of things out and mm-hmm. um, and have come to some sort of um, acceptance of the new reality and mm-hmm. a new a new routine, a new habit, a new lifestyle. So, what are some of the lessons that you have learned in this process? Patience. flexibility definitely um but not freak out over everything you know don't when used to when she would be showing signs of illness we would our brains would just like is this it this is the end this is going to be it because she's been hospitalized so many times with of course 
He's got just so much. Um, we just learned to be calm, stay collected, and then also to remember to laugh, you know, at, at the journey and to not forget that we are living. You know, we have to take time. It is very difficult to take time for yourself because you feel guilt. You don't want to put the burden of caring for someone so fragile and someone else, even for a day. So, but do you still yeah. wrestle with guilt over self care? Yes, hmm. every day. <laughs> hmm. My that husband got me a massage packet um, like four months ago, and he finally made me an appointment for one massage um, just last week. <laughs> I haven't been able to use any of them. So I just, I guess been able to is not the right word. I have not taken the opportunity to do them. So I'd love to explore that. Um, because you know, as a mom, if you don't take care of yourself, it's real hard to take care of others. How are you? How are you taking care of yourself? Maybe you don't do it in extravagant ways like massages. Where are you finding those moments that refresh and restore you? Well, um, some friends of mine and I at church are trying to start a mom's care type ministry. Um, and we have a retreat coming up in February where we'll be, I'll be speaking and they will also be wow. speaking. We're just trying to reach out and tell everybody that it's okay to not be okay. And sometimes you just need a moment to, to yourself or to cry or to laugh with other women or by yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so glad that you said that, because uh, we've been talking with previous guests about the importance of making light of traumatic situations yeah. in your life. If you don't, you'll go crazy. But I don't think that we've really talked about um, how important it is to cry, and that it's appropriate, it's right, and it's appropriate to grieve, to grieve the things that are lost, and to grieve broken things and, and things that are evil, and that are wrong, and that are... Um, that break us. And I think that um, tears are a good way to do that. And, and, and granted, you can't cry all the time. I mean, you would die a lonely person, but it is appropriate to shed tears over things that break us. And so I am so grateful for your vulnerability today. I know that you believe that or you wouldn't be doing it. Um, and, uh, and I love that you feel things deeply. I think that's what enabled you to step up to this challenge because it's huge. What you've committed to do is huge. So tell us about um, what the future looks like for you. Um, I can't tell you that. I don't know what it's like. Um, we've seen Athena improve, but we know um, that we won't have her here forever. We'll just love on her every day until she's not with us and we'll still love her afterwards. So, mm -hmm. How much does uh, Athena know about you and about, um, and about your love for her? Does she respond in ways that she uh, does? Good. Tell me about some of those, because I know as a parent, I couldn't wait to hear my child say, mom, I love you or to return a hug or a kiss. Tell me how you and, and Athena interact. She can smile. She can laugh a little bit. She just started that a year or so ago. Oh, that uh, must have been fun. Yeah. 
yeah it was um I was she loves to hear birds and I was doing have had a little app and I was pushing the bird button and she kind of made a little giggle sound and I was like what was that <laughs> and then she did it again and so it's it's um it's gotten more frequent it's not all the time but it's more frequent she can look in your direction when you talk to her so she knows she can recognize voice she loves her daddy and her brothers she <laughs> she's a daddy's girl they they give kisses you know her kisses don't look the same as everybody's kisses but we know that they're kisses because she does it special for him um so she's a happy girl most times which and is she amazing she's upset so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, that's amazing uh, to think that someone who's suffered such horrific abuse could even find a moment of happiness but as you rightly guessed love does open the door to miraculous things and and she seems very well loved so how did how did that affect you and your husband how did how um did that change your relationship you know, it, it everything that's traumatic can put a strain on a relationship, but we just had to figure out how to navigate that. And we've learned to have more open communication about things. Um, we've learned to discuss deeper issues that may not be comfortable to talk about and um, learn to share. So communication is, is the key, I think. Mm-hmm. I think difficulties in life often have a way of paring things down to what's really essential, what things are really important, which people and relationships are really important. And you find out in a hurry who your friends are, uh, who's going to be there for the long haul. So I imagine those are some of the things that you've learned. What would you say to people who are facing really hard challenges, life-altering challenges, like the one you chose for you and your family? Um, first of all, I can't say that I chose it. I think God chose it for me because... I don't think anybody would choose a path like this. If God puts it there, you're going to take it. Um, I would just say, take it day by day. Don't, don't rush things because milestones for typical children are not um, milestones for special needs children. Um, you know, pray daily. And I know that that's what everybody says, but it's, it's legitimately the only way to, to really get through stuff. Um, keeping your relationship close with God, keeping open communication with your family and friends, be vulnerable, but also know that you're strong enough to do it. God doesn't give you things that if you're not willing to lean on him, that you can't endure, you know, he wants you to rely on him as well. And maybe that's why he gave us Athena, because our life was was pretty blessed as far as health. And, you know, we were happy. We didn't have what a lot of challenges that a lot of people have. So it's like, you need to rely on me a little bit more. So. And it seems that you have, because I don't sense any bitterness, any resentment, any regret over the choices that were made. Um, in fact, there's a beautiful pride that says we were faithful, we were obedient, we trusted God then, and we continue to do it because he's proven himself faithful. What would you say to people who are caring for special needs children or who are considering adopting a child with special needs? 
again, you can do it. Um, God equips us with the tools we need, even if we don't know what those are. And he provides people in your life, even when you don't realize that he's given them to you to, to help you. And don't be too proud. Don't think you can do it all on your own. And don't try to do it all on your own. But I think you can I think those are such great words because very I'm like you. There's there is, used to be in my life a time when I said, "Don't worry, I got this. I got this all by myself. I don't need help. I got it." And now I realize, as I get older and I face some difficult things in life, that what I really needed was not more of me, but more of God and more of other people to step in and to rally around me, to support me, to pray for me, to do the things that I couldn't do, um, maybe to point out ways that I could do things better, um, and to help me let go of things that were keeping me from being the best that I could be. And so um, I love that you aren't doing this uh, journey privately, that you're doing it out in the open. Um, and that's evidenced by your presence on Facebook. Tell us where people can find you and continue this conversation. So we started a Facebook page called Our Journey with Athena, um, mainly because there were so many people asking about her progress and what was going on. It was just easier platform to use instead of sending out hundreds of texts. So we, we do that and we just share just daily snippets, not necessarily daily, but snippets of her life. And definitely when, when we're struggling with some things um, and events that we care about. And then um, if anyone would like to email any anything we have her email address journey with athena at gmail.com well thank you so much as we close out this show today is there anything you'd like to see more clearly as a result of our conversation yeah i i just think that when you see a family with a special needs person being be it a child or an adult see them don't look past them good, good, good. and mm. that's it's pretty much it because mm -hmm. you know they're going to be struggling even if they seem to have it all together mm -hmm. they don't mm -hmm. i think a lot of times people avoid things they don't understand or they don't uh, they can't relate to um, and so what I hear you saying is just to acknowledge them, to say hi, to make a connection, to become aware, to learn more about it so that you can engage and not be fearful. Um, right. Don't pity. Don't pity. <laughs> just be there mm. for support. Wow. Wow, that's good. Well, Tina, thank you so much. I'm so glad you are our guest today. And thank you for sharing your story with, uh, with me and with our friends at Now I See. Thank you so much. Okay, and listeners, we'll see you next week. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.